This is Richard Epcar, the voice of the Joker. You're listening to the Long Box Crusade. What's in your long box? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Longbox Crusade, a podcast where each episode a random date and year is chosen and then an issue is selected for the over 20 plus long boxes that have been collected over the last 40 years and stashed away in my basement right next to my brand new cotton candy machine. <laughs> <laughs> somebody played with the script. Oh, somebody, Robert, indeed you. <laughs> Oh, each episode will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of the time period. I'm your host, Pat Sampson, and with me is Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. A.K.A. Death Probe. I, I don't remember any of you guys. Hey, wait, how do you even know that I'm Death Probe? I thought my secret identity, nobody knew it. I struck a bargain with Jason, and he made it so no one will remember that I'm Death Probe. I'm Spectre, baby. <laughs> Hair's and a that, lot grayer than it normally yeah. is. <laughs> and that's as far as we thought this bit out. Nice to be here. Yeah, very good to have you. I'm glad you're here. Speaking about Spectre, let's go ahead and talk to him. Jason Albrick, the Weasel Skull. Hey, guys. think we're being watched. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, glad to be here. Well, let's go ahead and roll into Delvin. Delvin Williams, the dark <laughs> web. <depressed. laughs> I am. I don't know. I like him. <laughs> we like Delvin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I don't mean it that way. I'm just... <laughs> Going into Delvin. Again. I'm waiting to hear what Delvin's got to say. <laughs> well, I am not that happy myself because I hear they're throwing a parade for me. Ooh. But I tell them not to do it because every time there's some bad crap that happens every mm-hmm. single time. Mm-hmm. And yet they were like, oh, let's throw a parade. Let's throw a parade. It was like, no. Anyway, I think every Flash issue that we've read thus far for this podcast has involved a parade. <laughs> a parade that's wrong. gone wrong. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Delvin Day either way, Delvin. Yeah. Oh, thank happy you. Happy Dark Club Day. I mean, it doesn't mean that much. I mean, they throw one for me every month, so. <laughs> That's what I heard, too. Oh, how come we never get invited to, like, start the parade off or anything like that? I don't throw them for myself. You'll have to take it up with the planners. It's mm. not just me. I just show up. <laughs> well, then maybe next time I'm going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> like Trickster. Oh, but you call me the Tapster. <laughs> I like it. That's my evil name now. <laughs> Tapster. I'm going to tap you out. That's also a trapster. I like it. I just came up with that. Good one, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we got some opening chit chat done, let's go ahead. And, you know, guys, it's been a while since we've done a long box crusade Mm -hmm. in quite a long time, I think. So let's find out what your current crusade is since it's been quite a long time. Jared, what's your current crusade? The biggest thing on my radar right now is next weekend. We got a holiday weekend. I'm going to spend the whole weekend at a pediatrics clinic in Columbus, Georgia, painting cartoon characters and superheroes on the walls of the clinic. So it's going to be a huge undertaking. But my son Jordan's going to come with me. It's a prescription for danger. And we're going to paint some stuff on some walls and hopefully make some kids happy. It's like a hospital? Yeah, it's a it's a pediatrics clinic. Okay, cool. How'd you get hooked up with that? One of the gals that I used to work with back in college at the movie theater, her life path has taken her into nursing. And on Facebook, she said, hey, does anybody know that anyone that can paint superheroes and cartoon characters on the walls of the hospital? And well, here we are. Nice. Ken Phillips said, move away from there. So that's what's up. Uh, where you need to be. All right, I'm just going to keep cool. talking. Uh, Delvin, Delvin, what crusade are you on? Well, my life has been pared down to just a few things, making sure Miranda's happy, which I fail at constantly. Um, <laughs> 
going to work, which I also don't do too good at. And then podcasting where results may vary. And then there's jujitsu. <laughs> and so it, it's been one of those four things. Relatively recently in jujitsu, I put in my first stripe onto my blue belt. So uh, that journey nice. continues. It's always tough, but really rewarding. Very cool. Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm on a crusade to, well, you know, I got a couple things going on, but I've said this before, but I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to work on reorganizing my comic book collection. I got to do it this year. This is the year that it's happening, boys. No, I don't believe you. Said that last year. Well, you know, that's what I do. We'll get to it. I got a lot of crusades going on. We got editing. We're growing the podcast here. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot more things on our plates, but we're growing. And hopefully everybody else is enjoying what we're producing. I know I am. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I probably listened to them like, boy, at least, you know, once. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> good track record there, Pat. Eh, maybe I should make that my crusaders to actually listen to our podcast. <laughs> Keep it simple. Set that bar low, Pat. Yeah. Speaking of selling ourselves <laughs> short, Jason, what crusade do you <laughs> Well, I'm continuing my crusade to read the James Bond novels. I've been a James Bond fan for many, many years, and I'm ashamed to say I have not read all of the novels, even all of the Flemings. So I've been working my way through those. How far have you gotten? I've read three. Casino Royale, Live and Let Die, Moonraker. The next one, I believe, is Diamonds Are Forever. But I kind of jumped to the end because I got Anthony Horowitz's new Forever in a Day, and I hear that's really good. So I started reading that one. That's the one I'm working on now. And then other than that, it's been... uh, a constant battle against the snowfall and keeping my driveway and sidewalk free of snow. Doing the same thing. Well, we invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found on the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by the handle at longboxcrusade. We hope you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show, and we will be right back. Warlord Worlds. A fan podcast devoted to the comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, Star Slayer, and Shaman's Tears. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Please join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Special episodes feature interviews with Mike Grell himself. And special segments feature great guests discussing the Legion of Superheroes. Listen at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit warlordworlds.com. Warlord Worlds is part of the Rad Adventures Network at radadventuresnetwork.com. Welcome back from the promo break. Let's get to today's adventure from the long box. Flash, Volume 2, Number 207. Got a cover date of April 2004. So let's go ahead and check out the credits. The credits are from Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Make sure you check that out for all your comic credit needs. It's got a publisher of DC. Cover date is April 2004. Got an on-sale date, though, of February 25th, 2004. Cover price is $2.25. Editor is Joe Cavallari. Writer, Jeff Johns. Penciler, Howard Porter. Inker. John Espedito. Espedito. Oh, oh. oh that's not. John Livesay. Livesay. <laughs> it's not the same. Oh. It's not. It doesn't have the same ring to it. Letter is Nick J. Napolitano. We'll take it. James Sinclair is a colorist. This was reprinted in The Flash, The Secret of Barry Allen trade paperback from 2005. Or you can find it also on The Flash Omnibus Volume 3 hardcover from 2012. Got a cover credit artist is Michael Turner. And speaking of the cover, let's go ahead and give a cover description from Jared. Happy to do so for the dearly departed and immensely talented Michael Turner. 
The top of the cover sports the fairly retro Flash logo in its classic block letters with a color fade going from orange down to yellow. Michael Turner provides his distinctive style to a standing pose of Flash. Simple, but very effective. The colorist does some fine background work with some classic yellow streaks and lightning effects on the mostly red cover. This cover just screams Flash from top to bottom. And speaking of the top, there's a cover blurb that says, A new race begins. And since we've got Jonesy here with the sound effects, what do you suppose it sounds like when the Flash swoops in and stops with a lightning bolt? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) More than I thought. (laughs) That's high production right there. It was. I thought he was spitting on something. I was like... Well, thank you for that awesome cover description. Let's see what you guys thought about the cover. We'll start with Jason. I like the cover a lot. I particularly like the colors. It's fairly simple. Different shades of red, oranges, and yellows. But it comes together just brilliantly. Fairly simple pose. Just looking at the flash head on. But it's Michael Turner, so what can you say? It looks pretty awesome. Simple, effective, beautiful colors, and a beautiful cover. I'll turn it back to you, Pat. I am going to agree with you as well, too. I really thought this cover really stood out to me. The lightning is what just kind of really grabs me around it. I like that kind of effect. I'm a sucker for that effect, I guess, around the flash. Um, Yeah, how's it go? It's really simple. Not a lot going in the background. And I like the top. It says a new race begins. So really interested in the story that this provides. So how about you, Delvin? I'm sure at some point when I was reading this back in the day, I knew why they did the reset they did. I can't remember now since this was 15 years ago. So this cover does what it's supposed to do. It's like that new restart. And hey, this is the flash and this is what he's about. That's what the book was about. And that's kind of what the cover was about, too. And they got a hot shot artist, Michael Turner, to do the cover. So it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Jared, have you talked about this? I haven't. I kind of tipped my cards in my description, though. And you hit the nail on the head. This is a perfect, quote unquote, relaunch cover. You can look at the cover from across the room and be like, I bet they're starting a new story arc. (laughs) I mean, I tell you what, I love to have those quads. I mean, those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's him and, and there's Chun Lee from the Street Fighter game. Yeah, I'm looking at that chest too, man. That chest. Is oh yeah, he's on it. Didn't skip leg day. Didn't skip chest day. Anyway, I think everybody said it. It's simple. It's effective. You can tell it's a new launch. It's a great cover, man. And it's Michael Turner. Well, let's go ahead and get into the synopsis. That's going to be provided by Jason. and Wally West is still coming to grips with the after effects of his battle with Zoom in the best way he knows how, by racing through his city and helping those who need it most. His wife Linda, however, is having a more difficult time adjusting, and the Scarlet Speedster is heartbroken to return home to an empty apartment and a letter from Linda saying that she needs space. Meanwhile, the story cuts to the rogues, led by Captain Cold, seeking to recruit Dr. Alchemy into their organization, while simultaneously planning to rain on a parade planned for the Flash by Keystone City. We return to Wally's apartment where he is approached by Hal Jordan, who is currently in the mantle of the Spectre. Apparently, Hal made a decision to erase the minds of Wally and Linda after the tragic effects of their battle with Zoom. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what's happened here, but it doesn't look like it was good, and it doesn't seem to have worked as planned. No sooner has the Flash concluded his conversation with Hal than the rogues attack the Flash Day Parade, and Wally finds himself squaring up against Plunder, Trickster, and Tar Pit. The three rogues are giving the Flash all he can handle when a new player enters the fray. Abracadabra, leading a trio of golden 
Golden Giants. And that's it. Back to you, Pat. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason, for that awesome story synopsis. Let's go ahead and find out what everybody thought about this story. I'm going to start with Delvin this time. Okay. I already tipped my hat to what I thought of the story overall. Just seemed to be one of those palate cleanser type stories, but it made me uh, think about Jeff Johns as a writer and what he's good at. He knows how to redefine a universe. Mark Wade is the one who laid down a lot of foundation for the modern day Flash when it was Wally West. And Jeff Johns came back and he revitalized that rogues gallery. Such a good job of just getting down to basics. And this was the start of that, where he could have gone with the surefire Captain Cold, who is just one of the roguest of rogue gallery, but he went with some of the newer guys instead to kind of set the tone. So I liked all of that with the book. All right. Jason, what do you got? I haven't really followed the Flash comic during my crusades. I've been a fan of Jeff Johns, and I think Delvin really hit the nail on the head there. I've always appreciated how Jeff Johns really respects the characters and can kind of tap into what makes the characters work. And specifically within this issue, I liked how they were able to recruit Dr. Alchemy with a first edition Catcher in the Rye book. You know, it seemed kind of out there, but it just kind of shows a layer of the rogues that a lot of other writers don't catch. They're just kind of B or C team villains. But when Jeff Johns gets a hold of them, he kind of creates this unique world. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. I felt like I could kind of come on board as a new reader and take off here. I've had some questions, like I alluded to in my summary, about what exactly how Jordan did and what transpired between the battle between Zoom and The Flash that kept getting referenced in the story. So I had some questions there. Okay, maybe I shouldn't ask. Uh, (laughs) But overall, I thought the story was really well done. The art was beautiful. There was enough action and energy to keep me engaged. Jason, I can tell you this much about Professor Zoom that I remember from the comic. The whole idea of Zoom. Oh, boy. Um, I (laughs) I could be messing this up, but... Zoom, in a way, had a very, it was kind of a hatred, but it was almost like an admiration of sorts for Flash Mm -hmm. to where he wanted to push him to be the ultimate hero. And by making him be the ultimate hero, he wanted to be Flash's ultimate villain. So he always put him in these situations where if he didn't go full out, all out heroics, everything would be ruined. And I think this was one of those cases where he knew who Flash was and he went after who was. Wally loved and made him make a big decision. And man, I'm telling you, this is some hazy thinking going on here. So like if some of this is wrong, then I'm more than willing to get torn apart by any uh, DC continuity folks. You know, I was reading this back in the day, too, and I want to say that that storyline resulted in like the death of he and his wife's children. They mentioned that in the comic. So I got that. I just wasn't sure. And it seemed like how Jordan as the Spectre came in and erased that memory originally in order to spare them that pain, but somehow something happened and they got the memories back. That's where I was getting a little confused. But like I said, overall, I thought the story was really well done and it laid the groundwork and it made me want to pick up the next issue to see what happens. I want to tangent slightly. Man, DC made some crazy decisions. You take Hal Jordan, who now is back to being Green Lantern, and they did a whole thing and they brought him back to being Green Lantern. Lantern, but yeah, Jeff John said that too. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, and it was in a brilliant book. And, but in normal continuity, they had Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, just go nuts, and he became Parallax. And then they decided the Parallax thing why wasn't going so well. And then they turned him into the Spectre. And it's like, wow, that's ballsy. You know, some people you kind of do a little bit of messing around with a character that's been around forever like that. But Hal Jordan, not as Green Lantern, like I saw the Spectre. I'm like, dang. That is a change. I forgot that he was Spectre or served the Spectre for some years since he's been Green Lantern for some time again. But yeah, I forgot that they did that with him. And that's just a crazy switch to me. Yeah, they were bouncing him all around there for a few years. I think that just shows just what you could do with that character. You know, he could play different roles as needed, but you can still bring him back to being Green Lantern. Hell's my Green Lantern for Green Lantern as the Green Lanterns go. So I never read a ton of Green Lantern before the reboot. 
reboot, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I think the main hero they had in the book was probably Kyle Rayner. At this time, I believe this was a Kyle Rayner world. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And he's still around today as a part of the core. But yeah, I think they made a good decision bringing Hal back to the forefront as the Green Lantern. I mean, it's nice to have him in other sandboxes, but, you know, he belongs as the Green Lantern. Agreed. Since we're talking about the Flash, Barry or Wally? Oh, man. I've been talking a lot. If anyone else wants to take this, please go ahead. Just asking who our favorite is? Yeah. What are your favorite or what your thoughts on? I'm a Wally guy, but mainly because I started reading Flash after Barry had died. Spoiler alert, everybody. Like 1985 (laughs) or something. I've always really liked Wally. I liked his attitude and just enjoyed the character. You sure you didn't like him for his muscular body? I mean, doesn't hurt. Those bored abs. I mean, he's a nice guy and a good superhero, but I don't like him. Jason, do you have a favorite between Barry? Yeah, Wally? I have to agree with my brother. I kind of started reading the Justice League coming in about the Wally West time. So that's the one I'm most familiar with. I have nothing against Barry. I enjoy a comic with Barry Allen, but I guess if I had to choose one, I'd go with Wally West. I'm with him, Pat. Before you even transition, I started with Wally West. Barry Allen was long dead. They did a good job of establishing Wally West as the Flash. I collected Flash for quite some time until they did the rebirth and then went to the new 52 and then I tried to follow for a bit and then they canceled it and I'm like oh okay I'm done I was through with it I did collect it for a while and of course Barry Allen is back as being the Flash now and I don't have an issue with that Barry seems like a cool guy but I started with Wally so Wally's my dude do you have a choice Pat? You know, I'm gonna go with Barry because I haven't read a lot of Wally that's why I have this issue is uh, through the Jeff John I picked up the three omnibuses of John's run. Yeah, those are really big books. I'll tell you, you can knock somebody out with that. <laughs> but they're really, really nicely done. You know, I really like Jeff John's, what he did with Green Lantern, because that's one of my bigger heroes there is Green Lantern. I love Hal Jordan. I just like the love that he has for the history of DC. Yes. Agreed. He did a great run for the Avengers as well. That's right. He did. I'd forgotten Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. The search for She-Hulk. For Pete's sake, he made Jack of Hearts worth reading. Mm -hmm. Jack of Hearts and Ant-Man. Like, really? And that just goes to show you, if you have a good enough writer, Mm -hmm. it's really about the characters. And it doesn't have to always be those mega level characters doing the stuff. If you write it good enough. People are going to want to read about it and listen to it. So definitely. Let's get to Jared. What's your thoughts on the story? Well, like I said, I was reading this back in the day. I was subscribing to it. So this is a reread for me, if you will. I remember really liking this story. I feel like Delvin and I are kind of in lockstep here because I was like, this is good. The art is great. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the story was really engaging. It was a good refresh. I remember he became a mechanic at the police station. Aside from that, though, I don't remember a lot, which kind of tells you something about the story in hindsight. If I don't remember that much, it wasn't that impactful. But I still remember it being fun. And that's kind of my overall take on the story. I was like, this is fun. Am I super drawn in? Eh, Not necessarily, but do I regret reading it? Not at all. It was fun. Very cool. Pat, what are your yeah. thoughts on this? Oh, Jared, I'm glad you asked. Well, I did have some questions about not sure what was happened before this with his wife and his kids, as I haven't gotten that far into reading it yet. So I'm kind of interested about that story. And it sounds like Delvin may know a little, but not the whole story. So I was going to see what he knew. I'll okay. come hazy, you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like I said in, in my recap, I remember reading this and it being fun, but it didn't stick with me. It didn't stick. I don't remember what happens. Yeah, same here. If I could ever get through the comic books that are in my current collection and the books that I have and stuff, I wouldn't mind doing a deep dive of Flash just to see what happened because I think this story went on for a couple of years at least. Mm. Yeah, I like how he was comparing himself a lot to Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in this. He was. He's like, Batman's gruff and Superman yeah. is a Boy Scout and Wonder Woman is just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, dude. That's harsh. Yeah, say that to Wonder Woman's face and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> She's all like, save the rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. I did like that, though. It was kind of neat and interesting to, you know, his take on it, at least. Yeah. I mean, at least I gave him an, a unique voice. It's yeah. funny in retrospect, but it's a unique voice. So there you have it. Yeah. I like how he's able to slow down time, then can see what's going on everywhere and how they showed it. That's yeah. one of the powers I think he has that is really cool. Definitely. Yeah, he tracked down that bullet that way. He heard the gunshot. Yeah. And I mean, for him to find one bullet and to see where it was, that's crazy. He had to travel super fast to do that. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was a really unique display of his powers. I like that as well. I think that plays into your original question about Barry versus Wally. They really uncorked his power set with Wally. Barry was fast. Wally is ridiculously fast. He started vibrating through things to explode them. This whole freezing time thing, just they really pushed his power boundary, which I thought was great. You can tell that at some point, uh, they're storyboarding this, that either Jeff sat down with himself or maybe there's like a brain trust that he sat down with and said, let's talk about what a person who can travel faster than the speed of light can do. And rather than just, oh, he runs fast. Yeah. So that becomes all sciencey and interesting. And you can apply it in a lot of different ways. And it becomes cool ways to work that into the story. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. I like seeing the rogues, mm-hmm. getting to know them and their introduction. I am enjoying the story of this. This is a great jumping on point. When I picked this issue, I didn't know what it was. To me, after reading it, it's like, oh, this is a really great jumping on point for someone that wanted to get back into Flash. You could point him to this issue. It would tell you what kind of was happened on before and you're just off and running again <laughs> pun intended all right well then let's see what everybody thought about the art in the story we'll start with jared howard porter is an amazing amazing talent it's convenient that delvin mentioned mr live say is that correct mr live say the anchor either live say or live just flipping through this just looking at the inks too oh mm-hmm. man there's some moments specifically in the warden's office where there's a lot of heavy shadow and it adds a really great tone to that dark mood when they get out to the parade, it's very, very bright and colorful and the inks are not nearly as heavy. He knows what he's doing. This is a one-two combination of great art, great ink coming together and telling a fantastic story. So I've got zero complaints here and I will pass the pipe to Delvin. I think Howard Porter had a very successful run with Grant Morrison on JLA. Correct. He is just a steadily consistent artist. Actually, that's kind of a diss and I didn't mean it that way. He's better than consistent. Just he knows how how to create that universe with JLA everybody was neat and distinct and he had a good rogues gallery as well and the same thing here with Flash where you can tell there's just several times where he's defining how his Flash is going to look and he did a really good job of that and with the rogues gallery here in Flash all of the villains had certain looks to them I'm staring at a picture of Tar Pit now that's really cool mm-hmm. um, the trickster looks young and kind of playful like you could picture maybe a carrot top playing him in the movie there are a Flash movie that's ever going to come about. So there were definitely several parts in the book where Howard Porter just really did a fantastic job of differentiating between the characters. So that was cool. What do you think, Jason? I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Like you, Delvin, I've always been a fan of Howard Porter, but just seeing this issue kind of reintroduced me to his work after I got familiar with him in Justice League. I really love the bright colors in here. It really speaks to the character. Character. Flash to me has always been kind of the bright spot on the Justice League mm-hmm. in here that captures that really well. Even though the danger is very intense and very real, there's just positivity, I guess, is the only word I can really use to describe it that you feel when you read this comic. I enjoy that quite a bit. I like the facial expressions, particularly in the conversation between Hal and Wally in the apartment. Yeah. I think the artist really nailed the facial expressions, which added a little more gravity to the moment. So overall, just really stunning artwork. Another great job by Howard Porter. What do you think, Pat? Oh, I definitely agree with all you guys. This art in this is uh, very, very cool and interesting. Very well done. I like, also I'm going to mention the color because, oh, there's just Mm -hmm. so many different colors going on. Mm -hmm. When you see the flash now, I see that electricity that's around him in that. Some people like it, some people don't. I like it because I think it's really cool and I think, you know, later on in the newer ones too, they get even more really cool looking like, uh, who did the, who was the artist on when Barry came back? before Flashpoint. Oh, what was his name? I can't remember. Was it Ethan Van Skyver that did The Return? It was. He did the miniseries with Jeff Johns. It was Jeff Johns. Uh, the issues that came after that, I'd have to look that back up again. But um, Francis Manipal? 
That's what I was thinking it was Manipal. Thank you, Jay David Weeder. Really like the art. I like, you know, I'm going to see how. I see him turn to the specter as well, too. With that, why don't we go into Jared's part of the show? Yeah, I've got a question for everybody since we're talking about art. We haven't answered this one in a while, folks. Let's say you're at a Comic-Con and you're walking down the aisles and you look and there is Mr. Howard Porter. And he's like, hey, I love the Long Box Crusade. You guys are awesome. And I like that issue. And I have every page that I drew, the original pages. You can have one. Which page do you want, Jason? I think I would have to have the opening page with the credits and the Rush Hour title and the uh, movement of Flash. I always really dig those little ghost images in the background and then it All right. the foreground mm-hmm. with him with the electricity popping. I'm with Pat. I really like the electricity effects in the comics. So. Yeah, I'm going with the opening page right there. That's not a bad choice. That's one of my two. Well, I'll pass it to you then, Pat. Which one do you like? I like that first page, but then I also like page 16 of the story where the suit's coming out of the ring. Oh, yeah. Lighting up, and then you see the zigzag again with the shadowing of him, and then you get that last action pose at the end. Good choice. I like that one. Delvin, what about you? Tar Pit. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think I will go with Tar Pit. That picture of Tar Pit where Flash is running, and then he kind of gets stopped, and he's kind of leaning back like, whoa, it's Tar Pit. While Tar Pit isn't that huge of a threat for Flash Normally, it is a kind of cool picture because it makes Tar Pit look like a menace and Flash is having to stop and kind of like, you know, take them all in like, hey, what threat is this? How am I going to handle this? So I thought that was cool. What do you think, Jared? I'm going to keep the rogues gallery going. I'm going to pick a page that actually doesn't have the Flash on it, which is weird, but it's the page where Captain Cold and Heat Wave and Weather Wizard are recruiting, I guess, Dr. Alchemy. Mm-hmm. They haven't revealed him yet, but the three of them sitting there and Captain Cold looking all, well, cool. I just love that drawing of those three villains sitting there at the table, and then you got the trickster who comes in a little later. I just really like it. There's some great flash pages to pick from, but that trio of rogues, I think it's just great. Yeah, those are the, probably the three main rogues. You got Mirror Master there. You got Weather oh, Wizard. That, I thought that was Heat Wave. My bad. That is Mirror Master. Yeah, that's Mirror Master. Mirror Master, Captain Cold, and Weather Wizard, and all three of those are big-time rogues in Flash's gallery. Right you are. My bad. Mirror Master. I'll take a little time to reflect on that. Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> Good one, Jared. Uh, Good one. I get it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what do you guys think Captain Cold's drinking? Iced tea. <laughs> it have to be. It looks like it's cold. So. Coffee with some brandy in it. Don't get paddle worked up. Yeah, you should be doing that. Let's go ahead and see if this brings back any memories from 2004 for you guys. Let's start with Jason. Got any memories of this? Oh, yeah. It was a great time. 2004, February 25th. I was deploying to Iraq for a year of my life. Spent fighting insurgents in the sandbox. So not a whole lot of comic memories in there. Thanks for asking, Pat. (laughs) Back to you, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, thank you for your service. (laughs) <laughs> She's depressing everybody. You're welcome. I was at Maxwell Air Force Base in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. At best tour of my military career by far. And uh, I remember picking this up at my local comic shop. Still friends with that owner to this day. In fact, I went back and did a store signing for him just a few months ago. Great guy named Rob at Capital City Comics, Montgomery, Alabama. And I believe I was boxing up and shipping Jason's comics to him every month at this point. Wow, very cool. Yeah, I think you were too. They weren't making it to me in uh, Iraq. But I had a nice stash when I got home. It's what kept me going, man. It's what kept me alive. (laughs) Wife and kids, too. But, you know, mostly the comics. Delvin? Like the other two gents, I was in the military too. I believe I was in sunny Lompoc, California at Vandenberg Air Force Base. And I cannot remember the name of the comic book store I was getting my comics from. But I remember that the guy who I was getting them from, his name was James Garner. <laughs> when he said that, I'm like, I looked at him like, no, it's not. And he pulls out his, his, his driver's license like, no, no fooling. My name is James Garner. I'm like, oh, no kidding. Was so it Rockford Comics? Yeah. <laughs> No, it was not. I had to be getting my comic books from there. And I did that all the way until I left at the end of 2005. Pat, what you got going on in 04? Well, I don't think I was doing a lot of stuff in comics at the time because newly having a family, getting started with kids. Boy, my my collection was low at the time. So not a lot going on for me in 2004. <laughs> Rehab. 
<laughs> I probably was coming back rehab. You know how you get those ebbs and the flows of collecting, you know, because family started, but you still got that itch. So I would pick up some of the basics, you know, Batman and some other ones like that, that I was a little more diehard on uh, when I could, when my wife would give me comic book money. <laughs> I hate to admit that, you know. So I was either, do I eat lunch or do I save the money for comics? Mm. Sometimes you got to eat the filler. Yeah. So that's about the memory for me. That's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter or Facebook or even the Instagram page. We'll be right back. To tell you the story of Green Lantern is to tell you the story of the birth of a universe, the origins of DC as a whole. It's a magic emerald meteor from space in the 1940s. It's the establishment of the JSA. It's the birth of the Silver Age. It's the introduction of a universal police force. It's the formation of the JLA. It's the emergence of the multiverse. It's a crisis in both space and time. It's an emerald dawn. And it's an emerald twilight. It's the brightest day. And the blackest night. And the Lantern cast covers all of this and everything in between. We're Green Lantern's greatest advocates and fiercest critics. We've been fans for years, and it's the reason we're self-proclaimed Lanternologists. So find us on iTunes and Stitcher and give us a listen. Because the history of Green Lantern really is the history of the DC Universe. And we've got the interviews, commentaries, reviews, and more to back it up. Welcome back from the break. We hope you liked the promo played from a friend of the show. Now it's time to scan through the featured issue of The Flash, Volume 2, 207, for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. up. All right, let's find out what ad stood out for each of us in this issue. We'll start with Jason. Well, I'm going to go towards that Wicked Winter ad with City of Heroes. I wasted many an hour on City of Heroes. It really enjoyed that online role-playing game. I think Jared and I even teamed up a couple times with his Auburn Tiger versus yep. my Mach 8. Ooh. Yeah, we ran some missions, cleared out some sewers, did some exciting City of Heroes stuff back in the day. So I'm going with Wicked Winter, City of Heroes. Jared, did I just steal yours? You did. I'm going with Wicked Winner <laughs> Heroes. <laughs> yes. I actually max leveled out a character named Prince who looked like Prince. He was very small. He wore high heels. <laughs> he had a purple outfit. Did I remember raspberry beret? And after I leveled him out, I started a, a tiger who was a like, kind of like a Wolverine type character. He looked like a tiger. And his what, name was an AU what, tiger. What power did Prince have? Prince was an energy blaster, which I enjoyed, but it made me sad because back then Max was, I think, level 50. By the time I hit him about a level 40, they introduced Sonic Blasters. And I was mm-hmm. like, it would have been so much cooler if he was a Sonic, you know, like Black Canary style. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatevs, I uh, had a great time playing the City of Heroes. So that's definitely the one that leapt out at me, just like Jason. What about you, Delvin? I bet you can guess. I'm sure I saw something. Was it was there a wrestling ad in there? WrestleMania. Damn, I nailed it. <laughs> WrestleMania 20. And I had to look it up. And I wish Courtney was here because she could hear me uh, talk about WrestleMania for a second. I had to look at the main event of the show. It was Shawn Michaels versus Triple H versus Chris Benoit, known now to WWE as You may not get that, but trust me, any wrestling fan listening would. Chris Benoit actually won it, which was kind of like a really big deal at the time. And it was like a pretty big WrestleMania moment at the time. So it was a stat card and it was a fun show to watch. I didn't understand about 40% of that. Yeah. He was wanted, stat card. I like the energy, though. I do, yeah. I, like the energy. I felt the energy. I will now pass the ads to Pat. You know, I'm torn between two of these. Me being a computer guy, I like the alien computer that's on mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Wish I could have afforded that back then. Unlike you guys, I wasn't playing City of Heroes, but maybe I should. But I was doing the WoW back then. Uh, he's a WoW guy. I was a wild guy, yeah. I was an EverQuest guy. 
Yeah, I like EverQuest 2. I've actually started playing EverQuest again, EverQuest 2. So maybe you should join me, Delvin. The other one that I kind of liked too was the Final Fantasy, the Crystal Chronicles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's cool. That was for the, the Nintendo, right? Yeah, Crystal Chronicles was on the uh, GameCube. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed those too. Back in these days, you had a lot more video game ads in these. Oh, yeah, man. Than we had in the other stuff. Oh, yeah, it was all video game ads in the, from the late 90s into the 2000s, that's for sure. None of us took the ad with the actual physical activity of skateboarding. I just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have done that too. I was a skateboarder in the back in the day too. Still am. You still bored? Well, like here and there in the summertime, you know, I get out there. I Man. do some alleys around the house. I think you need to bring that to Heroes Con okay. and we need to do that. <laughs> Come on, bro. I skate. <laughs> I was a skater back in the day myself, but uh, I gave it up, man, when I got, you know, old. Why don't we go ahead and get to some history notes for this time? Uh-oh, here we go. These notes. These notes. <laughs> <laughs> With a segment we call Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? April 2004. Got it. Stay away. I don't mind. Here are some major news from April of 2004. Start us off with that, Jared. On April 1st, Google introduced Gmail. The launch is met with some skepticism on account of the launch date since it was April Fool's Day. And let me tell you something. If you're old like me, you'll remember that phase where people were like, thought it was super cool. I've got a Gmail account. I was invited to Gmail. And I was like, what? Why does that matter? They're like, oh, you only have an old Hotmail account, which I still have to this day. And I'm just like, what is the benefit of Gmail? But well, I got invited to it. No, I got that. But what's the benefit? You you have to be invited. Okay. I, I don't understand what the difference is. Anyway, that's my rant on Gmail. Came out April 1st, 2004. I, oh, I, I have a virtual backpack account still open somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, I never told you, but I got invited to my Gmail account. Oh, did you? Yeah. It's awesome. You know, Is I, it? I, I, I still have my original Gmail account. That's from sweet. back in the day. You're OG. He's OG. Uh, I got an invite, but they just led me to a Netscape account. <laughs> <laughs> catfished him <laughs> they did they did it's like that scene from uh, happy gilmore you know <laughs> let me out to the sprinklers <laughs> anyway april 5th the 66th ncaa men's basketball championship connecticut beats georgia tech 82 to 73 on april 6th the very next day the 23rd ncaa women's basketball championship happened and the yukon lady huskies beat the tennessee volunteers 70 to 61 so connecticut pulled off a rare men and women's basketball victory uh that doesn't happen very often i think connecticut was the last team that did it like they did it in 2004 and they did it some Sometime a few years later after that, they are good at the basketball. Well, on April 11th, the 68th Masters Golf in Augusta, Phil Mickelson wins by one stroke from Ernie Els of South Africa. Good job, Phil. Real Phil. Two days later, on April 13th, Barry Bonds hit his 661st career home run, passing his godfather, Willie Mays on the Major League Baseball all-time list, and no controversy ensued. <laughs> steroid, steroid. I'm not even going to start. Now, now, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone, but I, what I did learn from this, I did realize that Willie Mays was his godfather. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. That's very cool. Then we're going to jump forward three days to April 16th, and the Superliner, Queen Mary 2, embarks on her first transatlantic crossing, linking the golden age of ocean travel to the modern age of ocean travel. It's still the same ocean travel <laughs> it's yeah. a boat and it's water <laughs> next up on april 21st the 38th cmt flame worthy video music awards toby keith shania twain and kenny chesney win fun fact about kenny chesney he is three foot seven inches <laughs> <laughs> i've seen shania twain in concert believe it or not that don't impress me much <laughs> Go ahead, Pat. Give him the official. Good one, Delvin. Good one. <laughs> 
Well, on April 24th, NFL Draft, Old Miss quarterback Eli Manning's first pick by San Diego Chargers. He didn't stay there long, though. No. No, he didn't. The Mannings, let's just say they have some sway. And they were like, we don't want our boy playing in San Diego. And so they orchestrated a trade to the New York Giants, where he stayed. I think he won him a Super Bowl, too, didn't he? He won him two Super Bowls. Woo! That's hot right now. On April 28th, Shrek the Sheep from Taras, Central Otago, New Zealand probably said something in there wrong, is finally shorn live on TV after six years of avoidance and the fleece weighed 27 kilograms or 60 pounds. It's a lot of fleece. God dang. That's a lot of sweaters. But why is that a big deal? I don't know. Pat makes these scripts and I don't think he does any editing work. I don't. I just grab them. There was a picture of it, and the, the sheep was like, like huge. It was like, you did a bad job at this, Pat. Pulling <laughs> 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 the wool over our eyes. <laughs> I feel like we could have paid um, Jim Brewer of like $3.60 to come in and go boy impersonation. <laughs> well, in the very next day, right after Shrek the sheep got shorn, say that three times fast, Oldsmobile builds its final car, ending 107 years of production. Wow. Great grandfathers everywhere shed a tear. <laughs> That was the family car for the Williamses back in the day. And hey, hey, I had that Oldsmobile. I was about to say, <laughs> I've ridden in that Oldsmobile yes, you have. a lot. Yes, you have. <laughs> that was oh, Delvin's nice. college car. Yes, sir. It's a miles on the Oldsmobile. What was that cassette tape you had in there I always clowned you for? Jasmine guy. Yeah, he, he rolled with that Jasmine because a guy said tape, which in college I clowned him for, but retrospect, I'm like, that's kind of cool. I was going to say, F you, Jared. I was going to tell the story on that one. <laughs> you were right. I was wrong. <laughs> so we should go on to the movies released. Here are the top 10 movies for April 2004. I'm going to start with a great one. Mean Girls from Paramount Pictures. (laughs) Made $86 million. Everybody make some noise. I okay. settled that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> that movie is straight up hilarious. Hear about it if it weren't for you, Jared. I tell you what, and I don't remember who put me onto it, but it's one of those movies where you see it on the shelf and you're like, it's another teen girl movie. Like, why would I want to watch that? And then you watch it. It is so funny. It's ridiculous. Yes. That, that movie is freaking hilarious. So worth watching. Absolutely. So, fellas, if you're out there listening and you're like, Mean Girls is just a silly girl movie. No, break that mold. Take a look. It'll, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. Next on the list is, hey... Hey. And you guys might not know this one. It's yeah. Man on Fire. Two men oh, enter, yeah. one man leave. Two men Two enter, man. one man leave. <laughs> Recently featured on action film Face Off. Yes, it was. And coming in at number three, Kill Bill Volume 2, which was a fine film that I saw in the theater. Yes. Great movie. I've only watched the first one. I haven't watched the rest of them. It's just two. It's worth your time and effort, my friend. It is. Good story. Just got to get back to them. Next up, we have one of my favorites, Hellboy, raking in $59 million. Good movie. Next up, we have 13 going on 30. A Sony Pictures production made $57 million. Anyone know anything about 13 going on 30? It's got Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> all I remember. Word. It's basically like, uh, remember those movies like Vice Versa where the kid swaps with the adult? Or yeah. Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday, right. Yeah, it's basically. Okay. I never saw it. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Home on the Range, a Disney cartoon. I've seen that one a few times with the kids. Where the deer and the antelope play. I couldn't really tell you what it was all about, but yeah, yeah I do remember it. I've watched it with my kids, but I don't have a good memory of it either. Yeah. Which leads us to 
Walking Tall, one of those early vehicles for The Rock. Yes. And it's a fine film. I think it's 45 minutes long. Uh, (laughs) It's a really short movie. But I remember watching that on crew one night when I was working 24-hour shifts with the Air Force. And someone popped that in. I was like, kept my attention. Good movie. Still as good good as the rundown, though. Both were good. Yeah, rundown was a little funnier. Was stiff learning it. (laughs) And it had uh, Christopher Walken. Yeah, it did. Where is he most comfortable? I'm happiest in the saddle. (laughs) (laughs) He was in a movie called Chubbins and Sweetums, They're Cops. A lot of people know (laughs) that. Co-starred with Sean Connery. That's right. criminals no longer follow any kind of rules. We need cops that also don't follow the rules. Academy Award winner Sean Connery as Detective Chubbins. What don't you understand? The little girl's missing and I'm going to find her. Academy Award winner Christopher Walken as Detective Sweetums. Oh, Chubbins, we're going to find her. We're going to make her pay. The guy who once DVR'd the Academy Awards and NBC Newsman Brian Gumbel as the chief. You know, guys, um, we need your badge. We need your gun. Uh, you wrecked half the city with your antics. Results. Oh, Chubbins, you tell them. You're damn right, Sweetums. Sweetums, no! Chubbins, look out! Ah! All right, guys, I'm going to back your play on this. But this is between you and me. We don't need to involve the mayor. You'll talk when I tell you to talk. I do what he says. Like, good cop, bad cop. But neither one of us is good. A really bad impression of Academy Award winning actor Michael Caine as the villainous Dr. Bad Guy. I I want Chubbins dead. I want him's dead. I want her family's dead. I want her pets dead. I want any bloke who even looks like them dead. Don't miss Chubbins and Sweetums, their cops. Sometimes, if you push the boundaries of the law too far, the law pushes back. Ah, Chubbins and Swaydems, got a drop on you. Hand over the guns. Oh, Chubbins, I think he's right. We better hand over our guns. You're damn right we'll hand over our guns. Bullets first. Rated R. That's a very good one. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Yes. Next up, we have The Punisher. And I think that's the Thomas Jane one, right? Yes. He raked in $33 million. That was a decent movie, too. I like that one. Not bad. It made the top ten. Next up, we have Johnson Family Vacation by Fox Searchlight. I know nothing about Johnson Family Vacation. Made $31 million. I, I got nothing. Remember it. I don't remember it at all. Next up is, and last on the list, is The Prince and Me. Got nothing on I that. I got nothing. I don't remember that one either. Well, I all guess right. I'll roll us into the uh, top three songs of April 2004. 
four. And coming in at number three, we got a little Jaquan. Everybody in the club getting tipsy. Yes. I don't know this one. Everybody in the club getting tipsy. To the floor. In the air, everybody on the floor. That's all I know. I just remember that for the longest time, my spouse thought he was saying everybody in the club gets tips. <laughs> they were making money. Oh. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's very pleasant. making tips. I'd yeah. want some tips. But yeah, I remember that song. Number two is One Call Away from Chingy featuring Jay Weave. And I may as well be speaking Klingon because I yeah. do not know who these people are. Yeah, you got me on that one. I have no idea. I know any of these songs. Wait, I, I got nothing on that one either. You know, it, like I said, I was probably dealing with the kid at the time, so didn't get him. Do you think Christados doesn't know it? It's yeah. not a real song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's snug into number two. We don't know. I'm just going to transition uh, to the number one song, which is Yeah! 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 yeah. 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 Okay! Okay! Yeah! By, by Usher featuring yeah. Lil John and Ludacris. Now, that was a popular song. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on the Twitter at Longbox Crusade. We will be right back. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium. You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year Three. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Counts. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, when Batman fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusader Club members. (laughs) These are the fine folks that are now entered into our quarterly drawings to win free swag that may include, but is not limited to, comic art, prints, comics, sometimes autographed by creators, trading cards, action figures, appearances on a Longbox Crusade show, lunchboxes, DVDs, CDs, CD nuts, and the list just goes on and on. They also enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, I'm a big jerk face.com. No, no, that's not <laughs> org. It, <laughs> it is theyardsellartist.bigcartel.com and early access to special long box episodes. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Dave Collins, Lasseter Stashit, Gene Hendricks, Ivan the Collector, Ivor Evans, Maxwell Traver, Mr. Lobotomy. Ross Michaud. I know who you are. Ronald Went. Tim. Tim. Bob Buster. Bob Buster. Buster Buster. Steve Cronin. Cronin the Barbarian. <laughs> Samantha Maney. Sam. Woo. And Toronto Cop. Oh. I think he knows Chubb is a sweet. I think he does. If we missed 
anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do they? How do they? Well, it's simple. Just head over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll Wait get access. Wait a minute, is that a typo? A dollar a month? That's a- no, Jason. No, it is not a typo. $1 a month. We're just giving this stuff away. <laughs> you know, I would buy that for a dollar. Yeah, yeah. Eight bits, two half dollars. <laughs> Now, for as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short, we'll just our ratings. It helps to raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. Jared, this is your part. I want you to talk about that. Yes, indeed. And we're going to give quick shout outs to those who have supported the Comics for Courage initiative. If you're confused about that, basically, we got folks mailing in comics to support our troops. So, yep, supportourtroops.org. I think it's an org. Support our troops. Anyway, go out there and check out support our troops online. You can mail them money to help send care packages to soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen overseas. You can donate goods. They'll just make sure people get the stuff. And we've taken up the helm of comics. So big shout outs. Since our last recording, we've seen some packages go out from Ross Michaud and Professor Allen. You guys are doing the Lord's work. And 75% of this podcast salutes you with an official military salute. And the other 25%, let's see it, Pat. I want to see your salute. Oh, that was good. That's snappy. <laughs> I like it. That's good. Yeah. Gotta get that thumb flat. There you go. This is great radio for people who are listening to the audio track. But seriously, thank you, Ross and Professor Allen, for supporting Comics for Courage, which is via supportourtroops.org. Sweet. So we're going to move on to social media likes, shares, and retweets. And we are talking about the Longbox Crusade episode 16, where we covered G.I. Joe and the Transformers number two from December 1986. That was the Longbox Crusade two-year anniversary. Woo! Way back in June of 2018. Wow. That has been a minute ago. Possibly a minute and a half. We left our wallet with Al Sedano. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Back in the Bronze Age. Baron Von Pimp. That's nice. That's nice. Bubba Calgar. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Let it roll. Out of highway. It's a show now. Here's to you, Clinton Robinson. Coffee and comics. Comics in the golden age. Copper dot age. Dano. Book em. Daniel Contreras. Daniel Tinirello. Darren Kohler. Yo, yo. Dave Collins. That wizard was just a crazy old man. Douglas Heidzig. Dr. G, Nerdologist. Fan Holes Podcast. Gene Hendricks. Jerry Green. Yeah, Goldberg. Yo, yo. Greg Smith. Hayden Allen. Huey C. Onyx. Ignacio Rayo. Ivan Chudley. Whoop, whoop. Jay Ishiro. Joe Crawford. Joe Thomas. Musical genius. John K. Mulder. No Scully. Jonathan Schaefer Hames. He knows what he did. Ken Solo. Lava Hog. Of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> M. Anthony Gerardo. Martin Gray. Melissa Nice. Michael Allen Carlisle. Return of the Mac. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mike McClarty. Mirandia Catherine Burp. Hold. Nate Niles. Patrick Woods. Rad Adventures. Reggie Hancock. Ross Michaud. Ruth Sutherland. Ryan Daly. Sandra Flores Marquez. Sean at Sergio Bamba. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Thanks, Sean. Shag Matthews. Come on down. You're the next contestant, Tim Price. <laughs> Let's all go for a walk. It's Tracker Talk. Well, he's probably not waiting anymore now that it's an actual TV series. Waiting for Doom. Warlock Thanos Podcast. 
And we will wrap up with Wendy Freeman. We also have a few social media replies and comments from... I'm going to pick one from Clinton. He says, wow, two years. I'm about six months away from that. Congratulations. Here's hoping I'm one of those great friends and not just more annoying noise. Although I'm somehow content to be that too. Well, you are a great friend, Clinton. Thanks a lot. And we appreciate the congratulations. Although it's a little late by us. So sorry. <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> I'm going to pick one from our friend Aaron Headboss from over at the G.I. Joe Real American Headcast. And he said, listen to this episode. It's great so far. Oh, wait a minute. I heard Jared. So much for it being great. <laughs> Lol. I have a question before I respond to this. Pat, is yes. Aaron Head Moss a Crusaders Club member? I don't believe so. All right. F*** you, Aaron Head Moss. It's going to sound great when I put the beep in it, too. Oh, man. I'm going to pick one here from Wendy. She says, I only just read the incredible Joe Transformers that Jay Lee did that was set in World War II. I'm a sucker for any sort of crossover of those two. I am very much interested in this in this Joe Transformers that set World War II. I love Jay Lee art. Oh, it's good. I I got it back in the day. I want to say it came out about the time that we're talking about. I want to say it was about 04-ish. It's good stuff, man. And my comment is from Jonathan Schaefer Hames. He says, just found you guys a few months ago and am having a blast. And I'm really excited about this episode because I think it's the first time that I have read every comic you're covering on the show. Well, Jonathan, I'm glad that you are appreciated the show. I get the feeling that we're never really going to talk to you again. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he did. What is <laughs> oh, goodness. I know we're supposed to only do one, but I got to shout out one more from Joe Thomas. He just said, I'm glad y'all kept the Serpentor joke in because that was cold. <laughs> but Pat couldn't say Serpentor. He kept saying Serpentor. <laughs> Yes, that's who, that's when um, Panther from the uh, <laughs> Thundercats, Thundercats. He got knighted. <laughs> so now he's now a Panther. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm just going to add one more. And Ryan Daly. Ryan says, I'm only 20 minutes in, but already I can say there aren't enough Tony, Tony, Tony references in this episode. <laughs> Yeah. And you can do Jack Swing from the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is willing to give you whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, now. There, now there's two episodes. Tony, Tony, Tony. But then there we go. All right. Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. But before we go, let's find out where listeners can find us on the internet. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. Jared? I am at Yard Sale Artist on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Delvin? You can find me at B-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Pat? You can find me on the Twitter or on the Instagram at ChrisTatos01. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Longbox Crusade. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page. If you want to interact with us with the live chat and be entered in to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us for our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on the YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every Every month, and we always start at three thirty p.m. Central Time. <laughs> we try. You can get signed up for that by looking up a Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you will get notifications for when we go live. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all, read them all. or what's in your long box or Espadito. Espadito. Read them all. Swing from the nuts. <laughs> so it feels good to swing from his. Yes. Anyways.
songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. So, we are going to do this in a controlled manner. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Order, I guess. <laughs> and let's see what happens. Sorry. Dad was calling Jared, so. No, I said, hey. I just hung up on him. <laughs> I'll text him and let him know I'm podcasting. It's like, in, like in your, when you were in your room as a kid. I'm doing a podcast, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take out the garbage later. Knock before you come in. Hold on a second. I got your back. I just rewound. <laughs> you said you were talking about your uh, Prince character, and Pat said, did he have a Raspberry Beret? Oh, so it stems from my inability to listen to Pat. That's yeah, exactly. It. Okay. I'm not sorry. Thanks a lot. Apparently, they can all connect. Somebody flipping a coin? We got two face on the Oh, was it my turn? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rick, this is how non-professionals record. <laughs> See, and that's because we do such a great editing job. <laughs> I should have saved some liquid. Hold on. Yeah, shut that ice up. Oh, he's just talking to us now. <laughs> Hayden Allen. Jason, give us one more Hayden Allen. That one didn't come in. Alan. And that was worse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the outtakes. <laughs> All right, flock you, Aaron Headmoth. Still don't recognize it. Got nothing. Oh, so big gulps, huh, Jared? <laughs> yeah, yeah, big gulps. <laughs> Straight up big gulps, y'all. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> Ooh.